Well, good morning. How's everybody? It's good to see you. I got some thumbs up there. Awesome. Um, all right, Dan, if you'd come up and read our scripture today, I got the microphone for you. You can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. So Dan is one of the six elders here at the church, continuing our theme this summer of get to know your elders. So if you don't know Dan, he's a nice guy. Come talk to him after service. I've had several. on? I turn on? Are we on? There we go. I've had several of these people in school. That's how <laughs> I've got to know a few of them. So uh, Luke 18, 1 through 8. The parable of the persistent widow. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about the people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this, in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I do not fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Thank you, Dan. Let's pray. God, I am excited to be able to open your word. and Your word is alive. It's active. It's, it's living. Lord, use it to speak into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our opening story today is just from the scripture. We have this parable of a widow, and she needs help. She needs justice. And as we think about things in our lives where we need God's kingdom to show up, Areas in our lives where it's like, God, we need you to reign here. We see this tension as it goes on through the scripture of how we handle that. And so the image here is a hammer. And when the hammer drops for a judge, justice is served, as they say. And as Christians, we're waiting for justice. And we're going to look at today what we do in the meantime. And so in our opening scripture, it gives this phrase of, we never give up. I love it when scripture does this and just tells you, this is the point of the story. So it says, Jesus told this story to show that they should always pray and never give up. This idea of never give up, we see it through a lot of Bible verses. You see it in a lot of movies too. <laughs> I think most of them end with that as the theme of the movie. Don't give up. 
I'm sure you've seen people in your life who have given up. And maybe you've seen things in your life where it's like, you know, God, I trust you in these areas of my life, but that one thing, why has that taken so long? And here it says to never give up. My grandmother, her favorite verse comes out of 2 Corinthians 4.16, which says, it says, that is why we don't give up. It says, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. She's in heaven now. She didn't give up. She's in the kingdom, full as can be. Now we're in this season of the kingdom where it's already here, it's growing, but it's not yet fully as it will be. So we're not to give up. Galatians 6.9 says, let's not get tired of doing good says that we will reap a blessing if we don't give up. So, verse 2 says that there was a judge in a certain city and he neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Now, a widow in that culture was not allowed to own property. If her husband died, it went to the next male. Often go to the son, but if there's no son, it might go to an uncle. And sometimes, the person who inherits that property doesn't take care of that widow. And that's not right. They're supposed to. Authorities are put in place with responsibility to take care of those under their care, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And this widow goes to the ultimate authority, God himself, and says, I need justice here. Goes to the ultimate judge and says, I don't have any other options here. I need justice. And this parable shares that this judge in this story says he doesn't fear God and he doesn't care about people. And yet she goes to this authority persistently. Verse 4. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. Now, I heard some chuckles when we read that earlier. Okay? She was persistent in going to her authority saying, I need you to take care of me. She, he says, I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearying me out with her constant requests. What's your constant request? What was on your mind last night and then this morning? Sometimes it takes some self-awareness to go for a walk and realize, you know what, this entire walk, I have been thinking about one thing. (laughs) The verse continues. The Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even if he rendered a decision in the end, oh, Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Again, crying out to him day and night. 
Is there a cry in your heart that you poured out last night as you fell asleep? And is there a cry in your heart that you poured out this morning as you woke up? I know many of you do. Many of those things are on our church prayer page, and we've been praying and praying. Some of those have been on the prayer page as long as I've been here. We keep praying, saying, God, let your kingdom come, reign in this situation. We want justice. Some of us, if we'll go back to that verse at the end there, it says, Will you keep putting them off? Some of us feel put off. <laughs> we wonder, God, how can you claim to be present with me when I'm still in this suffering? I remember I had a moment in college where I had a brain injury and my life had been altered at that point, potentially for good. And I was coming to grips with that. I remember being in my dorm room, feeling pain, realizing I was dropping out of school because I no longer could handle it. And I remember saying, God, where are you in this situation? Because right now you feel really, really far away. I'm suffering. Where is God in my suffering? And I started to think about who I believed Jesus to be. We're promised we'll share in the sufferings of Jesus as we fellowship with him. And I imagine him one day putting an arm around my shoulder. Weeping with me. Knowing that he hurts as I hurt. And even though it didn't make the suffering go away, I realized I wasn't alone. That the king was with me. And I was not outside the reach and reign of God, the king. And that comforted my heart. I didn't understand what was going on. My head still hurt, but I was comforted. Though outwardly I was wasting away, yet inwardly I was being renewed day by day. I have a family member who's been battling physical pain ever since I was alive. We keep praying for her. For God's reign to sustain her. For God's kingdom to come for justice to be done. Verse 8 says, I tell you, He will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will He find on the earth who have faith? He is coming. And when He does, it will be in a flash. The kingdom comes with the king, the son of man. Who is that? That phrase. I want to show that to you here. As we go along the slides here, this goes in a flash. The son of man idea. And Jesus often calls himself the son of man. There's a, there's a series called Left Behind and I remember there's a song from one of their movies called Suddenly. 
I love it. I was listening to that this morning, tearing up. It says, suddenly, above the eastern sky, you will come without a warning and bring me to your side. Suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye, like an angel, I will fly to my everlasting life. Suddenly. I was reflecting coming up here. I'm like, you know what? We might not even get to service. That lightning can flash at any moment. And the kingdom that's already but not yet, it can flash at any moment. I remember my brain injury. I got healed. I got a job. I went to someone at church and said, can I work for you? He said, sure. So, all right, next day I was there. And I got there and I spun in my chair and I was just like, what in the world? I was absolutely stuck. And in a twinkling of an aisle, heaven struck like lightning. I couldn't believe it. I was probably the happiest guy to have a job. Spin in my chair saying, wow, I get to work. I get to do something. You know, it's like George Bailey at the end of the movie, right? Isn't this wonderful? I'm back. And the staircase is still broken. Isn't that great? <laughs> Let me show you Daniel. This is the first reference we have of the Son of Man. And this carries a connotation as Jesus calls himself the Son of Man that something's going to happen and it's going to happen suddenly. In Daniel 7, Daniel's a prophet in the Old Testament who starts getting glimpses of the kingdom that's coming. Okay? For hundreds of years, the kingdom was messed up. These kings kept messing up. Justice was not being served. And these prophets of the Old Testament keep getting visions of on that day, on the day of the Lord, when the kingdom comes, and it says here that it comes with the Son of Man. He saw a vision. And he saw someone like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. And in verse 14, it mentions that his rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. And so if we back up now, we're going to go to Luke chapter 17, verse 20. This is the story that precedes the parable. In a way, this almost set up the story of the widow. And it's these Pharisees who come to Jesus. They know all about this kingdom that Daniel and the prophets were promising. And they say, Jesus, in a paraphrase, what's taking so long? When is the kingdom of God going to come? And he goes on in the next verses to share that it will come with the Son of Man. And in the next verse, I believe it's verse 24, it says that the Son of Man, it says, For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. And yet the next verse, 25, it says that the Son of Man must first suffer terribly and be rejected. Let me propose to you this tension of God promising a kingdom that's already but not yet, 
and then yet experiencing suffering in our lives. Let me try and explain that in what I'm understanding from Scripture. God is patient and wanting all to come to repentance. And in that patience, He delays dropping the hammer. Yet in that patience, the godly shouldn't be surprised at suffering. As Jesus suffered in order to give an opportunity for more to come in repentance, so as the church and the greatest explosions of the church throughout history has come through suffering. As God's people wait for the kingdom and continue to do good and do not lose heart and continue to pray, God is at work through that to bring more to Himself. Praise God, He didn't drop the hammer on me before I got saved. God waited. Though I was unjust, I deserved to be destroyed. Someone brought to mind to me this week the story of Jonah as he goes to Nineveh, a wicked city, and preaches the gospel and then sits on a hill and waits and watches. Jonah said, just, get, just smite him. He just waited for God's judgment, saying, just smite these Assyrians who have been so unjust to my people. Bring justice. Yet God loves that sinner too. And those people repented. In that patience, an entire city repented unto the Lord. We might see them in heaven. So it's out of God's kindness and His mercy that there is patience for those in this already but not yet kingdom. Some other examples other than Nineveh and Jonah, it shares here that when the Son of Man returns, it will be like in the days of Noah. Many of us know the story of Noah. He built an ark and the flood came. And the flood came suddenly. People were dancing, throwing parties, going about business. Amongst all the distractions other than hearing the word of the Lord, until it's too late. And there's only eight people on that boat. Another example that is shared here in chapter 17, it says that it'll be like in the days of Lot, where sudden destruction and the heavens were opened with final judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. I believe only three were saved. And yet God was patient on those cities. He gave years before he brought the flood. He said, this is coming. Please, turn back. But nobody listened to Noah. They said, rain. It's never rained. 
It's not going to happen. A boat. We don't even have lakes around here. Why do you have a boat, Noah? Just because it's never happened yet doesn't mean it won't happen. If Scripture says it will happen. Much like with the return of Christ. Let's move here to James. This is the last Scripture we'll look at today. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, as I look out at you, I see my brothers and I see my sisters. It says, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmer who patiently waits for the rains. We had a pretty good rain yesterday. It came pretty sudden. I was over at Coulter Days and festivities were going on, and yet everyone knew at any moment that party could get shut down. <laughs> Like a sudden rain, like a lightning strike, like the drop of the gavel, God will bring ultimate justice. And in His patience of that, we see mercy that more would have time to repent. And we have a faithful God who sustains us in that suffering. Though outwardly we may waste away, inwardly we will be renewed day by day. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. It's nearer than you think. As Jesus said in Luke 17, 21, He said, you're looking for all these signs of when the kingdom will fully be here. And He says, the kingdom is already among you. Jesus, the Son of Man, stood right before them and said, I am with you. Doesn't that count for anything? Even though I'm patiently waiting for more to be saved, doesn't that count for anything? I hear your cries. And as Jesus, as God used Jesus' sacrifice on a cross to redeem others, He is using our suffering in a redeemable way. So here's some points at the end that we've seen through the Scriptures. First of all, keep praying and don't give up. Don't give up. Don't let yourself believe that God no longer hears you. He hears you. So keep praying. Secondly, never give up. Keep going. There's great reward promised for those who persevere and who overcome. And I know it's not easy, but you've got brothers and sisters sitting next to you here. We're saying, keep going. Because I'm with you and you're with me. Keep going. Third, keep enduring suffering. Don't be disoriented by that. Jesus suffered. He promised, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen, church? Amen. 
Don't be distracted. As in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot, the furthest thing from their minds was that judgment was coming. That was that the Lord was returning. As Luke continues, we see parables of being faithful while the king is away. Be, be faithful in this meantime, in this period before God comes to bring his kingdom fully. Be faithful so that when he returns, you're not the one who says, you know what, the time and opportunities you've given me, I just buried in the ground. Be the one who says, you know what, God, you gave me these five things and I used it. I used it for your glory. As a farmer, waiting and expecting for rain, put your seed in the ground. Get to work. Tell people about Jesus. Live it out. Let them see those glimpses of Christ reigning in your life. So that when God does come for the final time, there will be a great harvest. And recognize that king. Don't get distracted. Recognize that that is who you're serving every day. That is who you're holding on to. I know a new Christian at our church once in Bible study heard that Jesus was coming back for the second time. And it blew her mind. She's like, wait. Jesus is coming back? No one ever taught me that. <laughs> and the rest of us in the group were like, well, yes, that is theologically correct. She's like, no, you don't understand. Like the scripture says that he's going to strike like lightning across the sky, like the sky will be rolled back as a scroll. That the earth and heavens will melt away. <laughs> and this could happen at any moment. And you're sitting there with your hands folded saying, yes, that is theologically correct. No, let it grip your heart and let it grip your life. Let it make you be unstoppable. Amen, church? So with that, I have four people I want to pray for today. And let's pray as a church. A couple hundred people to pray. Let's drive God crazy, right? In a good way. <laughs> These are people on the bottom of the prayer list that have been there for a while. We love you. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you that you are near, that you have a listening ear. We thank you that you are a God of power as well as patience. We pray for sustaining grace for the families in our church that have been praying for oh so long. And I know there's things not on this list that are on people's hearts day and night crying out to you. And we pray, God, hear our prayers as a church. 
Lord, help us not to get distracted with the hustle and bustle. But Lord, we turn our eyes to you. We turn our eyes to the light of heaven for our hope. And so, Lord, we pray for the Hainer family and for Brandy. We pray for your kingdom to come. We pray for Richard Furzel and his health, Lord. We ask that your kingdom would come. We pray for Chris Nielsen and his health recovery, Lord. As we continue to pray week after week, we pray for sustaining grace. We pray for Jackson Harcutt. Grant that family what they need for every step of the way. And Lord, I know there's many others we could be praying for and that we are. Help us to be persistent in our prayers. That we usher in the kingdom of God here through our lives. Not by our own strength. Not through our own ideas. Not through our own effort. But as a widow who knows that they must appeal to the ultimate authority. We appeal to you, Heavenly Father. We place our hope in you, and we thank you for the victory in Jesus Christ. Amen. We're waiting for the kingdom. It's among us. drawing closer, becoming more and more real every day that goes by. And someday, these momentary troubles will seem light compared to the surpassing glory and greatness of eternity with the King. So take heart, church. Church.